0: listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton
1: and Katie Van Horn.
0: All right, folks, here we are again. <laughs> Welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. Um, I'm Katie Van Horn. And I'm
2: Jackie Clayton. And this is this Inclusive AF podcast. I just Nicole's said that. Out.
0: I know. <laughs> we're very excited every we're recording on a Friday afternoon so we're very excited about this and we have our very first very special guest uh Salvador Bretz who's taking photos first so we gotta get started with the photos um Sal thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you guys so much for inviting me
0: So we would like to start off just by hearing a little bit about you, hearing what we'd like to call your identity story. So we'd love you to share whatever you're comfortable sharing about who you are.
1: Um, Let's kick it off. So my name is Salvador Bretz. Everybody calls me Sal. Um, And a gal kind of boils down to what they used to call me at my old employer, JSTEC. I am of both Jewish and Mexican... Um, heritage, and I am also gay, so they, so J-Stick, Jewish gay astic.
2: Okay. There you go. I love it.
1: It was very affectionate. Uh, I loved it. I owned it. But uh, yeah, so my background is I'm originally from San Diego and from Tijuana. Uh, That's California and Baja California. Um, And I am a mix from my Mexican Catholic father and uh, my German Jewish American mom, Uh, So I always grew up kind of being binational, biracial, bi-theological, bi- bi By all the (laughs)
0: things. Yes.
1: But then I settled firmly on homosexual, just like one side. (laughs) Yes.
2: Firmly. Good idea. Good idea. Good
0: call.
1: Good
0: call.
1: Um, And I've been in Arizona now for about three and a half years. Um, I grew up in San Diego, then went to school in D.C., uh, worked in finance in New York for eight years, then finance in Mexico City and fintech three and a half years and now proud to call Arizona home.
0: And we are proud to have you. (laughs) So I was fortunate to meet Sal a few years ago and have continued uh, the relationship. And so I invited him on today, Jackie, because I wanted to talk a little bit about the most exciting news for us in Arizona this year with the election, how we turned the state blue. So, Which
2: I really didn't think y'all were going to go. I'm just going to be real honest. I just was like, or whatever, like just pass on Arizona, because it's been a rough go. Yes.
1: Sal? <laughs> so. so, yes, but, okay. So I'm just gonna, quick thing, quick thing. Oh. I was here in 17? like after the 2016 event. so you have forgotten now. And uh, I was like, oh, it's a red state, it's a red state. I worked my tail off in 2018, took a month off from work. And since 2018, we had, out of our, Arizona has a delegation of 11 uh, people. That's two senators and nine congressmen, right? Since 2018, we had five congressmen out of nine be Democrats and one senator out of two be Democrats since 2018. So we were already on the bluer side of purple.
0: Yes. wow. Yes. Yeah. Now
1: we have delivered. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, with that, continue
0: yeah, no, no, this is exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think this year has really been an interesting year in Arizona and to your point, you know, 2018, 2018 did really make Arizona purple, um, for sure. And now I think we're ready to, you know, kind of switch, um, all the way blue and stay blue as long as we possibly can. Um, I think Sal might be having his, uh,
2: look, I can see, uh, we can see your reflection in your picture. I was really thinking you were doing his
0: elephant, uh, beautiful dogs have joined us. So we might get a glimpse of the ladies here in a minute, but, um, so I would love to hear a little bit about, um, you know, just if you could share with us, what have you been doing in the last, well, probably (laughs) four years, if not two years, at least But wait, I want to back up because you saw him. I don't know
2: I would like to know how you even got involved. I mean, it's not like people come out of the womb and say, you know what I want to do. You know, (laughs) like, like, how, what? (laughs) Well, maybe. However, (laughs) how did you start? I want to know how you started focusing on these things, like focusing on politics and wanting to get involved from that perspective. Like, how did that happen?
1: Sure. Um, so I actually can trace it back to middle school, having one awesome, horrendous, brutal, evil teacher that really enjoyed punishing students by every time that she would walk into a classroom and everybody was very noisy. Uh, she was an English teacher at this American school I went to in Mexico. And every time that she walked in, everybody kept just yapping and yapping away. She would stand at the front of the classroom quietly. And she's a, she was a very visible person. Uh, like, she took up quite a bit of space, so it's not like it she was invisible, and just held her hand up and started putting up finger every second, and it wasn't until everybody was totally quiet that she's like, okay, you now owe me, everybody owes me a six-page paper tomorrow on blank in in, in, in English, and um, not everybody had English as a, a native language, so anyway, she um, found me early on, and <laughs> uh, I had two older cousins who were complete. Lovely people now, but at and, and school were wrecks. So when she found out that there was a third one, me, she decided to pay extra close attention to the disaster that I was going to be. However, I turned out to be the biggest teacher's pet. And she would always have me write stuff about stuff that I cared about. And I remember writing a paper about Hillary, about Al Gore, uh, about her Senate race, about uh, the election. So for a while, it looked like I could not pick a winner to save up my life. <laughs> but being in politics was always part of the game. And then um, when I applied to colleges, I all I ever wanted to go to was Georgetown, be in BC, be all around it on the international side. Um, I interned for Senator Dianne Feinstein in, in San Diego, who is still a Senator, like it was a while ago and she's still, she's still around. She's holding the fort down intelligence. But anyway, so politics has just always been a big thing for me because it was just a way that I saw even as a kid that we can all get involved. We all have a say and things can change. It's, um, I don't know, it felt easier than moving the entire world.
2: <laughs> wow, yeah, I love that. But you are changing. I mean, that's what's so funny. You have that power, right? That people get the power to change the world. So then flash forward,
1: 2018. I Okay, so I, I do love that, that like, um, the thing is that we all have the power to change the world, especially us in okay. the United States, that so we are blessed to be in a democracy and that uh, we still have to fight for the rights of some people to go out and, and vote, but i just like to think that my role is more of I like getting people excited about voting. I like people connecting people to like, hey, your vote can make this difference and that is everything. Like, you can be like, you can do this for your parents' healthcare. You can do this for your kids' future. You can do this for your neighbors. And um, a lot of people just kind of have let go of like, oh, my vote doesn't matter. And it's like, no, 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 no. So if anything, I'm like, your vote matters. I'm here to get you excited about it. I did the craziest things to get people excited about it, um, which I'm sure Katie has seen online a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so when I moved here in, uh, after the event uh, I, I, I moved to Arizona from Mexico City, but I, my deal was fine. I'll come back. I will continue working in financial services, but I'm coming to fight. Straight up, like, I'm coming to fight. There's an election coming around, and this will not stand. And little by little, this is one of the amazing things about Arizona that I can't say the same for anywhere else that I've lived. People are incredibly welcoming. They are so interested and interesting, and they just... Any little effort you give here has greater impact, not just in terms of like what you immediately do, but what you move a little bit and then other people around you, see you do it and they're like, oh, I wanna get involved too. And it just becomes more and more. It's a beautiful place where neighbor will help neighbor who don't always agree on, on everything, but Arizona is just a special place.
2: Aww. I want to move to Arizona.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jackie's in, in Waco, Texas. So um, I know our listeners know that, but uh, she's still got the the Texas uh, fun. So you can move there next. I'm listening and and very closely <laughs> on how to turn a state. Taking notes. <laughs> um, so would love to hear a little bit about how you got involved with the, the Biden-Harris campaign and, and what you've been working on.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I did, I will admit that when the Democratic primaries were in full swing, um, my front yard saw a lot of different signs go up. (laughs) None of which belonged to a white man above the age of 50. If you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Until the very end. Like I started with Kamala, then Beto got up there, then he did horrible, then Julián Castro. And all the while, somebody was telling me about Mayor Pete, and I'm like, what? Like, he's my age and he's gay. Like, no, go away. And then I heard this amazing, brilliant man speak on a podcast on Pod Save America about the kind of SCOTUS reform and the need for DC statehood. And I'm like, this guy's very, very smart. Who is this guy? I didn't tie the voice to Mayor Pete. So anyway, so I became a big Mayor Pete fan. And uh, Got to as you get involved with a candidate here you end up finding other grassroots supporters that often have really great great values um and that's not to put down any other candidate like everybody had great great camps um for me for the 2020 cycle it just it put me in touch with grassroots people that i wouldn't have met maybe otherwise mm-hmm. and they were we had this bond of, of hope and positivity and That our vibe was more about moving America forward, uh, winning the era, turning the page on Trump's presidency and uh, public service and civic duty. And it it was very inspiring. So from that, we kind of formed like a good group. And then as soon as um, Mayor Pete um, uh, dropped out and immediately endorsed Joe Biden, we all immediately endorsed Joe Biden and and went for it. And um, then I kind of became known as like one of the Pete guys, um, also affectionately called. One of the booty boys, because the name's judge, booty yep. boys. Yep. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <But> thank you.
2: <laughs> That's two. That's two nicknames, two. It's like, oh, any other nicknames you want to share as we move forward? <laughs> so interesting.
1: So then it, things just kept evolving, getting more and more involved uh, in, in volunteering, and then came the Uh, Democratic Convention, and I ran to be one of the Biden delegates for my district. Um, I actually lost the election, but almost like an Arizona Republican, I lost the election, but I got appointed to the position anyway. (laughs) That's just another (laughs) mix house joke. go.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Indeed. I got to be a Biden delegate to represent Arizona at the convention, which was held in Wisconsin, but I was in my living room in this exact same spot where I am right now because of, because it's 2020 and COVID. So so that's how it all kind of evolved.
2: I love Pete, I love Buttigieg. And I, you know, I remember I thought the same thing you did when he came out, I was like, seriously, like, you're like five years old. Thanks. Like, (laughs) "Mm, what do you know? And then I was like, there's no way. And I love him. I love the way he can take a beating with a smile and you can't see it. He'll listen to it. And then he's like, Oh yeah, really? Watch this. Like same smile. And he will tear you shreds, smiling. You're like, what just happened to me? It's mm-hmm. like a dirt devil. Like you just like, you're like, what? <laughs> how did we, how did he bring me back here? I've seen him do it with some of the strongest people. I've loved watching him the week of the election and the week before on Fox. I would, I was like, that's when, and then my husband and I, that's when my husband goes, I don't know, I love that Pete Buttigieg. When he saw him, the fact that he stood up, he's like, I'll take it. I'll take Fox. It's you know, it's like what is somebody's gonna have to go to Fox to answer the end. He's like, you know what, I'll do it. And we fell in love with them. But I'm so glad that you that's a major change. You went specifically with the idea of trying to help change the state. Or was there something else that factored into you moving there? Cause that sounds that's a little crazy.
1: No, that, that sounds totally crazy. Um, so I actually um, was in a relationship with a Phoenician, and that's how I ended up coming to Arizona. Um, l- luckily, my <laughs> tenure with Arizona has outlived that relationship, and I plan to keep it. Going.
2: You are in politics, aren't you? <laughs> my <laughs> that I'm going to write that down for the future. <laughs> So tell, what, tell, what was it like like on the week of the election and seeing everything go down? How were you? Because I know how I was, I know how Katie was. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, okay, so 2016, I experienced that as an expat living in, in Mexico City who had, who I did all my voting donations because that's kind of, kind of voter i had always been. But um, I remember that feeling and uh, I mean, we all have we, we all have like some PTSD from it. Mm-hmm. But um, I also remember how great it felt in 2018, taking that time off and working my butt off, uh, canvassing, registering voters, going back to those voters and be like, hey, did you vote? No, get in my car, I'm gonna drive you over there. Like doing all this stuff. I got chased by drug dealers. I got bitten by dogs. Mm. I mm. went places, it, 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 but feeling that way after the 2018 elections is very different like when you leave it all out on the field you almost don't like when you're on election night you're not that nervous you're mostly just exhausted like absolutely physically mentally depleted well you can't feel bad you just feel yeah. empty mm-hmm. right <laughs> so uh 2020 and yeah. I, I decided to do, do the same thing i had been getting as involved as possible on the weekends all the free time mm-hmm. donations the fundraising as as the most that we could do during covid but i said this time I'm gonna, I actually took um, a week and a couple of days off before the election from work and um, as my vacation, because it's COVID, nobody had a vacation anyway. Uh, and it started out with, with phone banking, then volunteering at this event and quickly, the the Biden-Harris campaign is really the biggest coalition I have ever seen and hope, I mean, I hope it's not the biggest I'll ever see, but we had a huge coalition uh, of independents, of Republicans, but more importantly, that we really have to highlight for Arizona. Never have we ever had so much engagement from Latin, from Hispanic, Mexican, Chicano community, and from Native Americans, and women of color across the board. Most of which are Hispanic in the state of. Arizona, yeah. but this is a victory about them and finally being prioritized and finally stepping up and the, the institution of the Democratic Party finally saying, All right, yes, we will place our faith in you, and we got it done. So which event, event, awesome. event, the film banking, and then meeting somebody awesome at the share surprise concert, which was a very interesting experience where basically I saw a friend there and said, like, oh, he's taking time off. You can use him for anything you want. I'm like, I feel like I am being <laughs> offered out for services. This is this is great. <laughs> and then it was staffing this event and this event and just getting people excited about voting, giving them in, in, information and, and then going deep into Chandler where somebody called the cops on us and that was a very interesting experience. Uh, then over to Guadalupe, then into like deep, deep East, East Mesa, um, uh, Burton Bar Library, got to like post um, Jessica Alba.
0: Yes, so we had some, yeah, we had some really interesting visitors during the during the campaign. Jessica Alba was one of them and and she had the event at one of the libraries here in town. And, um, you know, obviously in support of um, and Cher did a concert and tell us a little bit about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So Cher was awesome. Uh, everybody was like, oh my God, Cher. And of course, like almost every single LGBT person were assumed to like be Cher fanatics. Um, I w- I mean, I'm, I like, I like her, but I mostly went <laughs> so I could go and be like, Hey mom, you're not the only one who's seen Cher live. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was a very, it, it, just, it, it was my first, I think in-person event on the campaign. And it was just so different to see all the mega rallies on, on TV and super spreading and no masks or it, just a total mess. And the precise organization that the, that the Arizona Democratic Party and Mission for Arizona and Mark Kelly's campaign and all of these campaigns that coordinated what they did in, first of all, they had it in West Levine, Phoenix, which is not very central, kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't announce the location until like an hour before because they wanted to make sure that people didn't flood it and create a super spreader event. Mm-hmm. They had an organized line. Everybody that showed up had to immediately fill out a form for contact tracing, just in case. Masks, temperature taken, um, people there at all steps, like, please keep separate, keep, keep, distance, keep distance. The chairs kept separate. I mean, it was, it, it was sad because like, oh, how is this our new normal? But also it just, it was a beautiful thing to see like that, you know, I'm on the right side. Like these people care about our health. They care about limiting and kicking COVID in the blank. Um, it, it, it felt great. Um, the divine, divine share showed up two hours late and lip synced to two songs, only one of which was hers. I read and mispronounced Kamala's name, but I digress. It was fabulous. It was amazing, and it got the vote out.
0: <laughs> and see, <laughs> thank you for visiting. <laughs> um, I wanna, I wanna talk about one of our other um, uh, local heroes, and I know that you went to an event an event at her restaurant, or at least in the parking lot of her restaurant, Chef Silvana. Um, So I know, you know, after the vice presidential um, debate, both Pence and Kamala and Biden were here in Arizona, and Pence held a super spreader rally at a corporate location here in town. What did Kamala and Joe do?
1: They had Personally, uh, they didn't advertise their entire path. They had very small, unannounced, because again, they knew that uh, if they announced everything here, uh, we would gather and totally, uh, what do we say now, become stands.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. stand, mm-hmm. yeah. Right.
1: Um, luckily for us, um, our dear President-elect Joe Biden, uh, at his event in Maryvale, let it slip that he was going to go have lunch at one of his favorite places and we knew chef Silvana because she had already done some national commercials um her restaurant is about three blocks from my house so a couple of the former booty boys and i or now biden boys i guess uh people uh were like we're gonna go always with the masks on and we like even without any coordination or organization a couple of us went and it was actually a really beautiful thing because it turns out that the restaurant was right in front of a friend's uh, of um a neighbor's front yard and the Secret Service was there. I was like, do you even have permission to be on this front yard? And the neighbor came out, It's like, heck yes. Everybody just, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a beautiful Phoenix moment. And I guess one thing that, uh, oh my God, and seeing the bus, we got to see the bus drive by and everybody was so excited. Like the Soul of the Nation bus, it was beautiful. Oh. Um, and our president-elect and vice president-elect went into the restaurant uh, with Chef Silvana. And on their way out, uh, they kept their distance and we were just like like cheering them on it was after she had just made us so proud of that debate and from across the street you could see how touched they were okay. that people showed up they didn't mean it they did it was not planned nothing we didn't know how close we were gonna get I honestly took my book like Kamala's book just in case we' got like extra close I like I was prepared for everything but you could see how they were truly touched that People would just show up and just we wanted to make a point to make sure that they feel that they are are welcome and uh we proved that yes arizona is biden country and harris country
0: absolutely well, i want to know something oh go ahead well i was just going to say and fyi if you're in arizona please visit barrio cafe chef Silvana. Amazing, amazing chef and has kept her restaurant open or, you know, has served the community, I should say, throughout COVID. So she was making donations to hospital and uh, uh, frontline responders, those types of things during COVID. And so she is back open now. Um, and so go visit. It's awesome food and she's amazing. Sorry, Jackie, go. That was my go, plug for the day. Right? I know
2: I'm sad again. And I realized now I have to move to Arizona again. No, <laughs> I just wanted to ask. So you said you were in financial services as you started getting into this piece. So how did you work that in? I know like you know, we're inclusive AF, we have our personal opinions. There's a certain part where you're like, okay, this is my public persona. This is what this is. I don't want to mess up. I use this. I don't want to do this. So how was it? How were you able to be so, you know, a lot of us don't want to come out of the closet with our politics because we don't want people to come to us and be like, oh, I didn't know you were a, you know, (laughs) fill in supporter.com. And so, how did you do? Was that something you just didn't care about, or you were just like, this is the way it is? Or were you careful at first and then just couldn't do it
1: anymore? Mm.
2: Or neither um, one of those, and it's completely different.
1: If I could be allowed a little bit to go back down memory lane for a second, about yes. um, I started working in uh, financial services at JP Morgan, the private bank in New York, right out of college in 2008. It was the worst time to go into financial services oh, yes, in mm-hmm. 2008.
2: I remember 2008.
1: Uh, oh, mm, got there early, like the room's on fire. Everything's going to hell. I'm like, um, this is normal? What's going on? Anyway, <laughs> so this was 2008. And um, I knew that I had actually helped to get recruited to Morgan through something called um, Out Conference, where the banks come and recruit into New York fly um, LGBTQ students from all over the country to New York to interview and to help them with a resume. So I knew that I was going into a safe space, but going into the office, I still didn't know, especially I was on an all Latin America team. I didn't know. Um, they taught me very, very early that, no, no, no. We hired you. We want you to bring your whole self to work. JP Morgan was always very, very strong on this it's as far back as I can remember. And they put LGBT leadership front and center and like it is our duty to be out to be to make it accepting and inclusive because if you're not bringing your whole self to work, then you're not entirely at work and um, we want you entirely here and, and present. And Wall Street that also means you're here 24 seven and glued to your desk.
2: Right. But They meant it. There's a picture <laughs> we of want your you partner. to be here always. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> so. Um, and so my professional life was like a school in DC, then in New York. So the whole question about my politics, it was, you're in a big bubble, go to Mexico City, and um, it's a little bit different there because uh, I am, I am a Mexican, but they view me as either like a weird expat or they just see like, oh, tall white Mexican, but um the question about being out was also at, in, an issue because Mexico City, for example, has some of the most progressive laws, uh, some of which predate anything done in the States, uh, but some of the most progressive laws uh, anywhere in the country or in the continent. So it's amazing, but nobody in the world of finance, especially high finance, as some people like to say, was actually out. Um, I um, went there I was in a position of privilege with a great company that I have great respect for, now I'm with BlackRock, one of the leaders in inclusion. And um, I just really went with an attitude of, I don't really care what anybody thinks because I'm good with my company, my team knows me, and it turned out to be a big positive there. Fast forward over to Arizona, uh, where I, again, didn't even think about it because I just thought, well, I'm coming back home to the States, what does it matter? And regarding my politics, it's just, if I live openly and I am like, I am very open with my background and, being a member of the LGBTQ community that nobody would ever think like, hmm, I wonder what his politics are. You know, that it's like, we don't have to ask. It's sort of like the new don't ask, but I'll tell you if you want me to. Yeah. Um, so, but at work now, especially in private banking, where it's, you're dealing at the personal level with people's financial situations. Um, I have adopted a policy of, I will never lie. I will never ever lie about something that I believe in or what I am or my background or anything, there may be situations where to avoid an embarrassment for somebody else or awkwardness for for anybody, I may dance around things. Because um, when you grow up in our community, you know how to play around with pronouns in a way that you can just maneuver things without lying. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not actively bring up things in politics. I can discuss things in current events with clients ask me about an economic update without showing a, a bias. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, people know what I'm engaged with and that's okay. Like they, and if people wanna ask me about it and get involved, I'm happy to share with them. If um, they can ask me in a diplomatic way and they don't agree with me, I honestly don't take it personal. I don't take it personally. Um, It can be hard sometimes to see somebody like be super Trumpy and not feel attacked as a minority. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that I think that our side also has to work on that not everybody is racist because of that. Uh, Some people have just been turned the wrong way through um, uninformed use of social media and through following the wrong people. Um, it does make it a little bit hard, Not, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, but um, I make sure to keep it separate from work. And a lot of people think that, oh, how long have you been working for this campaign? I'm like, well, no, I kind of pay them to let me volunteer.
2: Right, right. Because <laughs> someone asked me that today, they were like, well, how, you know, how do you bring your, se- your whole self to work if, um, you know, there's like some dramatic difference of opinion, with like your executive team, like they say, bring your whole self to work. And then it's like, oh, wait, but you had just asked everybody to like participate in this event that you don't agree in or donate money or encourage these things. And then you're like, wait, does that mean you're against me? Because sometimes it feels like most recently it's been that, that feeling in the air of we, ca- we cannot it was like it's either this or this It would just felt that way um and it's interesting i'm glad you brought up like the there's very specific not everybody who um is a republican is like you know like you're saying is a hateful this or that not everybody who is a uh, democratic is like a bleeding heart and wants to get donate their money to everybody either um so it's it's just interesting so thanks for answering the question i know it might have seemed like a weird question but somebody just asked me that today and i was like hmm oh i don't know i don't know i i i get nervous about it sometimes that's why it's like when people you know follow you on social and you're like oh what did i say
1: what Was because wednesday
2: was bad <laughs> i don't know what i said
1: <laughs> yes. um i definitely um i mean i'm open about everything and um but if like a client starts to request to follow me on social media, I'm like, mm, let's hold off on this maybe. till yeah. <laughs> um, so we scope things out, but ultimately um, it, it, the politics thing has gotten so charged lately, like, especially this summer, because I mean, I, we can say that it has been for different communities from the start. Right. I mean, there were communities uh, like trans women of color have been getting killed since the 80s. Uh, the mm-hmm. pandemic has killed so so many people, our Native American community. Like, so we can say that politics has been personal to everybody for a very long time.
0: This summer, the heat
1: was turned way, way up when it was not only COVID, but also it was the BL, the Black Lives Matter movement. And it seemed like we couldn't get a break where like every time there was a scientific fact or this happened there had to be a political alternative fact. Uh, Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. Uh, Masks, masks don't work, they're controlled. It's like, no, we we have like, we can disagree on opinions, but we have to agree on facts. And this summer, it became almost impossible to not view everything as political when we couldn't even have just a simple thing of like, wear a mask. Mm
2: -hmm. This summer, I realized how people could join a cult this summer. Yes. Like you legit think, people are like, you used to watch those shows about people in a cult and you're like, I would never. And these people are like, doesn't exist. There's no COVID. <laughs> like literally people are dying, fake, it's alternative, dude's dead. I'm gonna drink bleach, like stop it. These people, like something happens to people. That's why, that, that that's a version of a cult where you normalize something that's not mm-hmm. normal. I'm <laughs> sorry, you know, right. God forbid, I, you know, it's kind of like, I'm so glad that my grandmother wasn't here to see this. I don't know what she would say. She used to be a school teacher. She'd be so disappointed in these very smart, educated people making really dumb choices. Um, and that's not a political statement. That's a bleach will kill you statement.
1: Yeah. That's but all.
2: Like facts, like you were saying.
1: We're forced to go into that camp because it, it stopped being about... Um, you know this is a fact this is not a fact it started being about my tribe it says this so I have to go along with everything this tribe says yes which is one thing I want to bring back is like that Biden was uh is I think the perfect leader for this moment to really bring together the healing and and by healing it means that we can talk to all of our family members again Mm -hmm. but it does also mean a lot that people on our side are going to have to grapple with a lot of forgiveness. We're gonna have to like, you know, let go of some of the things that we've thought like, of like, oh, it's like, <laughs> we gotta make them pay for what they did. Like, no, but also, and to remind us that it does also gonna fall, it unfortunately gonna fall on us um, to have open arms and to welcome people back. As, old, as Mayor Pete said, give hate no home but extend an open arm, an invitation for people to come back from the cult. Next year.
0: So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> After the holidays. Absolutely. One Not day. a problem. Before Thanksgiving, no. No. <laughs> no. 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 Too soon. Um, <laughs> no, I love that. I, I love that that is the message. And I think the other piece, which is kind of, I think, where you're going also is that is Biden perfect? No. Are there things that as a voter of, you know, I voted for Biden, are there things that I disagree with? Yes. And so I think there's also that piece to your point of like, you have to just agree with everything about your candidate or else. And, mm-hmm. and there's no gray left over for the conversation or for the yes. And, you know, kind of that improv, like, okay. Yes, he's very, very old, and yes, there are some challenges here, and yes, we need to work on a lot of stuff and not continue back to um, everything's okay, and let's paint this with a a brush of everything's fine, don't look over here. Because I think as much as this has been such a challenging time for all of us, it has uncovered so many of the things that we knew were happening and that so many folks in the communities of color, in these marginalized communities, were like, yeah, this is happening to us. And now it's, you know, front and center, whether that's because of COVID, because of Trump and the very outlandish beliefs that he has and the things that he says. It has kind of come front of, you know, front of mind for so many people. And I think it's that that acknowledgement and knowing that there's a lot of work to be done. And to your point, knowing the way that the numbers fell, that also just is like a, oh, wow, there, you know, if people are going in thinking it was gonna be a landslide for Biden, wow, okay, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think that's the piece that's
1: also interesting. On the, if I could piggyback on the numbers, because um, election night, uh, it was rough because we were like oh god no 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 no, not again no 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 like florida what is happening to you not again texas who got my hopes up on texas right we were all going down that road again especially we like once you saw florida go red you're like oh god where's the whiskey mm-hmm. But um, as the votes have been counted and i'm glad that we it, it sucks that we had to take our time because we're americans and we want everything done yesterday we want it now and efficient The votes had to be counted and had to be done correctly because we were going like our democracy was going to be attacked for its legitimacy, no matter what, from the current occupant of the White House. Mm -hmm. He was going to do it. The fact that it took so long, it mattered. Those numbers coming in, though, are showing a different picture than on election night. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: At the national level, it shows that actually this is not a landslide, but this is not exactly a close call. The electoral college is not a close call, which we should get rid of. But um, yes. also that that spread is a big difference. Is is, is um, a big difference. One thing that I really want to highlight for Arizona, because um, since today it's official, Arizona is now in the Biden camp. Whoop-de-do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Republican uh, unelected senator has finally conceded to the elected Democratic senator. Um, one last day, I swear. But this is important because in Arizona.
0: So what he's saying is Mark Kelly won. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's not very. Oh, necessary. sorry. Did I? Yes. <laughs> Let me go the back to my inside fact,
1: voice. One twice. <laughs> but anyway, it is the fact that in Arizona, um, we now have two Democratic senators. We still have five out of nine congressmen, congress people, um, is are um, our, our Democrats. We did not pick up it a seat that we thought we were going to pick up.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, We did not turn neither the State House nor the State Senate blue, which we thought we were going to do. Mm -hmm. We, I think we netted one seat. Um, In the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, we are um, a couple hundred votes away from deciding if we even picked up one seat. Um, All of our, our Maricopa County seats, we lost all of them the own our, our county recorder in charge of the elections, who's been getting attacked for doing his job beautifully, uh, just conceded his race to the Republican. God bless him. May he do an equally good job. But um, the only one to keep his job was, thank God, our sheriff, because mm. that was actually so. The story says about, um, the, about Arizona that we had a lot of Republicans that went with us. On, on Biden and on Mark Kelly for the Senate, and nothing else. It shows that a lot of independents wanted to balance out their, um, their ballot, uh, Democrat on the top and then Republican down down below. But above all, uh, one national lesson for from Arizona is that they're gonna see our, our victory and take, okay, cool, let's use this next year in Texas, use this next year in, in in Florida, and please anybody who's listening, do not do that because what worked in Arizona is not going to work in Texas, not going to work in Florida, especially not in in, in Florida. One big lesson should be that we can look at white men and distinguish them between college educated, non-college educated, urban, suburban, white women get also put into these categories. Black people get put into male-female categories for the most part, and Hispanics just one big blob of a, like, may this please come home once and for all. We are not monolithic. We had more turnout for Trump than in 2016 amongst Hispanics and African-Americans. But we need to break that down into who actually drives that, what message works. Immigration is not a message that works for the Hispanic community, broadly speaking. Uh, It's mostly about healthcare. Arizona also had a very special case where voter turnout in Native American lands was one of the highest ever. And I believe the last figure is that 86% of it went for Biden. That is a ridiculously large number. And it's because a lot of grassroots grassroots activists got them out to vote because they knew that it matters. It is important. Mm -hmm. Native lands were threatened several times the last three, four years. Uh, especially around the border area for that stupid wall that did not get built, thank God. Um, these things really do matter. And one sp- specific thing in Arizona is that the generation that remembers um, our are very racist, horrible, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, the one that gave Arizona the worst reputation, the generation that saw their parents be detained in ten cities and really put into inhumane conditions, um, really terrible torture, their parents, families just separated, uh, Family people being deported indiscriminately, like truly disgusting behavior. That generation, this was probably the first time that a lot of them were 18. Mm-hmm. Those kids who saw that happen, they remembered. And they didn't just show up to vote, they got all of their families to remember to get out and vote. The leadership of Hispanic people, specifically of women of color, like our great chef, Silvana, it like cannot be underscored. Yes, it was great to have Cindy McCain also come out and give Republicans permission to mm-hmm. um, vote for Joe Biden. It was great that we had the momentum that, uh, that, that McCain was a big hero and he was seen as um, a uh, antagonist to Trump. But ultimately, this is a victory to the Hispanic community, to the Native American community, but above all for women, women who turned out even, I will categorize in the suburban white women, college-educated suburban white women who still came out and to vote.
0: Me and Katie say no.
1: Yeah. No. That's going to be a whole- White women, yeah, white women,
0: we need to talk. Uh, (laughs) That's a whole other podcast, survives the 55%. so I want to touch real quick, just so you were mentioning kind of the um, native tribes. And if you look at the map of Arizona, I think that was, for me, something that was just so cool to see. And to your point, the efforts that were put in by folks like uh, Jamasita Peslaki and Arlando Teller and some of these other folks that are in the Four Corners area that just did an amazing job of talking to everyone hey, oh, you know, registering folks that had never voted before and having these conversations about why this was so important. Going back to one of the first things you said, every single vote is important. And I think we learned that very, very clearly in 2016. And we just need to keep remembering that every time that we need to vote on anything that every single vote does count. And it's so important to show up, cast your vote, follow up on whether your vote was counted, all of those things. It's it's critical. So Jackie, I'm sorry. I know you were going to have no, a question. no.
2: I was just. I I find it. You um uh, Sal brought up a really important thing about how they look at these people and they just put them and lump them together. People just started talking about the white suburban vote. They don't even talk about the white women vote. They don't talk about the where the white men voted. It's just an assumption, and they want to start blaming it on all of the other. Genders and ethnicities as if that's the problem within the United States, but it doesn't take a lot like I have been blessed enough to have lived in South Florida, but also live in Oregon like go from the difference in seeing those communities. I've lived in New York and I've lived in Texas and so It's funny that people, to me, lump these people together. People don't realize when you're sitting in Ohio watching the news and you think Hispanic, it's like you don't even know what it's like, you know, being, you know, a particular, you speak Spanish, you might not identify with being Hispanic. You might not identify or understand anything. I understood Mexican Spanish. I had an assistant from Paraguay. And I had another assistant from Columbia and nobody could understand each other and nobody knew the culture and (laughs) everybody had to explain the food and everybody had a different note of opinion. And they would have put and they would put us three in women of color. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was so completely different. I mean, we have to look at the disaggregate data of really specifying what that meant, because you have to understand when people came over here, from, especially in South Florida. There's a there's a lot of different groups, but I'm speaking specifically to the Cuban groups. They became they were happy to become America to get away from Cuba. A lot of people were like, "I'm Cuban American," but now it's part of the American dream, which Trump was mm-hmm. trying to say. And then there's other people that are still trying to hold on to their culture, but won't, don't have a Florida. That they can hold on to their whole culture, and so you have these little pockets in different places throughout the United States. And so it's just interesting to see. It's funny when you have somebody say like, "Oh, the Hispanic vote," and you're like, "Okay, are you?" I mean, I'm from I'm from the Virgin. My family's from the Virgin Islands. And Katie was like, "Where's?" We were just talking about it. No, it was somebody at work. Where's the Virgin Islands? I go, it's across the street from. Oh, Puerto I was Rica. like, I did not ask <laughs> you. It wasn't you. It was not you. But she goes, where's the Can you show I me lives? a map, Jackie? I can't. I go, it's across the street from Puerto Rico. And she goes, no, really. I go, no, really. And she goes, no, really. I was like, no, Oh, really. my goodness. Like, <laughs> that's Puerto Rico. She's like, but they don't speak Spanish. And I'm like, turns out <laughs> some people do, actually. Just not the ones you know. Do you know? No. It's so crazy that we do that. And, and we have to that's a part of being inclusive AF so that you can say, yes, this, you might put me under this heading. I'm also a mom. I'm also a fan of TLC. I also am a meat eater. I'm also all these things before you try to decide what my politics, you look at my gender and my ethnicity and where I, my state or my zip code and you think you have it all figured out. And if we can embrace people as people, I feel like people would vote more if they felt like they were respected. Instead, that's why their vote doesn't count because all I am is a Hispanic vote. All I am is a suburban woman vote. They already told me on the news what I think, so why am I voting? And if we could just respect people as people and stop putting them in places. But I will say the other thing that was cool, kind of, is that they allowed people to not, in Texas at least, I don't know if this is everywhere, that you couldn't vote straight ticket, which, was great because people had to look at the different issues, but it also allowed people who might have gone straight ticket the other way in a Republican way. Um, but I think that's why we keep seeing the difference in the House and the Senate, where it's like, wait a minute, the president. I was just like, I keep holding out on all these places, like maybe the vote, so we can you know swing it mm-hmm. in our favor like they voted for Biden, but they didn't on the rest of the ticket. Mm-hmm. So it just shows we do have area people are going to start. I think it's a good opportunity that people know you don't have to do that so that we can get some good politics and not have to vote straight party. But what we really need to do, whatever candidate is going to be able to support those things, I think it should be interesting. It just, you know, in my life, it happens to be de- democratic, but you know, yeah.
1: The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.
0: Well, and I think that the numbers even, you know, I think so many people have mentioned this, the way that they were bucketing folks on election night of who voted for who and, and erased so many cultures, so many groups. I, I don't think, like, I think it was CNN that didn't even like acknowledge Asian Americans in any way, shape or form. And so it was like, that's another Do we have Asian
1: Americans in the, wait, what? Well, so the, this is one thing that actually I want to say, like put it on, on both sides, like of the 2020 campaign thing. You would see in some some mega rallies, some poor lost folks who were like Latinos for Trump, right? On the Biden side, it actually made me kind of proud to see all the difference. First of all, like just how creative people got, especially like true creatives who were at home way too much during the pandemic, <laughs> uh, what the Maltecos for, for, for Biden. Um, Salvadorans for, for Biden, Mexicanos, Arizonans, like all the different logos like API, Indians, like it, it, it became like, and we'll always get accused of playing uh, identity politics with, with that, but it wasn't more of a nod of like, hey, we don't want to be thinking about you just as Latinos for like, no, it, it, we're all different. We all care about different things. Exactly what you said about the Cuban experience of the, the um, refugees, I guess, from Cuba in, in, in Florida is very different from that of the Haitians, is very, very different from that, like, but similar to that of the Venezuelans, totally different from the Colombians. Mm-hmm. And also um, in the Hispanic community like we use it broadly, um, we also have to be honest about the fact that we do come with some heavy, heavy racist baggage of racial socioeconomic hierarchies in Latin American countries that we often don't talk about because we get grouped into like as Hispanics and we're m- minorities. But it cannot exactly, like, we need to, do, like, we need to stop it, but it does need to be acknowledged how Latin American groups look down on each other in this country.
2: It's a caste, uh, it's a caste system. It's yes, like, it's a caste I mean, system. And yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just similar to that. Because it's like, hey, aren't we all, nope. It's like, because you're over here and people's last names and I know what that means and you must be, uh, and you, you know, it's, it's. Uh, and,
1: and skin color still matters a yes. lot in Latin America. Yes. And, and as inclusive as um, we all try to be on the democratic side here, like it is a reality. It It's still happening. We have to put that aside, have it like, just not like just squash it. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel, it does feel like we are moving towards progress mm-hmm. um, and I mean, how how do you guys feel after after the summer? I mean, is this where you thought you'd be after the summer of COVID and um, and racial justice protests?
2: I think we were going to be in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't going to be here at all. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere again. but
0: here. No. Um, so, I would say, you know, for my the work that I do, so you know, doing diversity equity inclusion work with organizations the you know covid shut the faucet off completely because every company was looking at reducing headcount and saving money and all of these things and so budgets for diversity initiatives were non-existent and then with the social justice issues that came up the murder of george floyd the murder of brianna taylor all these other things that continued to happen um It was like, no, it's go time and we all need to get on, you know, get on board of this conversation and have these conversations. But so that is great. And so companies are paying attention, but it's also the, the first couple of weeks after George Floyd, where everyone was invested in learning and unlearning and going and reading the books and going and understanding more that has absolutely slowed down. And that's the part that I think needs to continue is our own education and our own learning, because I think there's just a piece missing there of it's still that if it didn't happen to me, it doesn't exist. Or if my experiences was, was different than yours, it doesn't exist, which, you know, we got, you know, slapped in the face during COVID because everyone was sitting in front of their TV and their, you know, social media pages and all these different things where, now we're a little bit back to that, whatever that norm was of, I can kind of ignore it because it's those people over there, not me. And, And so I think I am happy from the perspective of, I think companies are waking up and I think humans are waking up to the issues that have been going on for years and years, but I am, and I am hopeful that that learning continues.
1: How, I, I love that and I, I, I totally share the concern that like, oh my God, I hope it wasn't just a like immediate reaction and now just uh, like a fad, mm-hmm. like how can we keep it alive without having to depend on more crises and more senseless deaths?
0: Yeah, I, I think-
1: From police brutality.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I think that is is the challenge because I think there is, and it's also, hey, well, Joe Biden's now been elected, so everything's fine again because we have a Democrat in the White House, so it's fine, or we will shortly get out. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, again. Wow. See, this is why we shouldn't record on Fridays. Oh. <laughs> I get a little sassy on Fridays. Um, that being said, like I, I think that's the biggest piece that we have to just keep acknowledging what is actually going on and the fact that we still need to do so much work in these areas. And, you know, to Jackie's point, when we have a split in the House and the Senate versus the president, like how are we actually going to get some of these reforms done? How are we actually going to get some of the stuff done that needs to get done? And and I think that's a piece that we need to keep on. Um, our representatives to say, this is important to us and we want these conversations to continue and it's not done because Biden's gonna be, you know, moving into the White House in a few weeks. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's gonna have to take, I mean, I, um, I look at it through my lens and I just feel like on some of it, it is kind of like what we saw it wasn't just people were getting educated, but it was like, like people thinking that is not okay. And it was like, see, this happens. And it's like, that's not okay. But I think it's going to be, I still don't think it's safe for black women to come their full selves to go to work. I, uh-uh. It's still not. And I think it's going to take more people stepping up and pulling us out and saying like, no, this is me. And this is just the way I'm coming for these things to happen and not let people off the hook. I mean, Mm -hmm. hopefully these people don't listen, but there's this lady who keeps asking me to schedule a meeting with her. It's not you, Katie, I know you're gonna think it's you. It's not you.
0: And I'm like- No, I know you accept every meeting I ask (laughs)
2: for. And I'm like, I'm not, no, she won't send me an invite. She just keeps asking me to schedule a meeting. And I'm like, no, I won't, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And she just keeps asking. I'm like, well, you can send an invite. Look, it's going to be like, it's like a freaking standoff. We're going to stand And it's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I had to tell somebody last week that wanted me to do something, you know, like do something for free or try to do this kind of thing. And it's like, I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. And you have to, I think um, when I was going into the job that I have, I went out on a limb and took a personal risk and I was terrified of doing it. And I'm grown and confident and, you know, I've got friends and I'm popular and I'm pretty and I'm, oh wait, but all those things, I was terrified and Katie was like, you have to, you have to. And I was like, I can't do it. She's was like, you're going to have to, like, you'll be fine. You're going to have to. And, but it takes people doing that. of stepping See Sal, no, it's not just things. you. that.
0: T- <laughs> oh, whoa. I oh, yell at yes. Sal too. Yeah, yes. it's kind of a jam that I have with my friends and I tell them what yeah. to do. It's weird.
1: <laughs> I, love I love it. I respond to it. When a woman tells me what Sorry. to do, I'm like,
2: she's like, do it, do it.
1: Like, yeah. Jackie, if I'm allowed, can I ask you a question that, yeah. uh, to kind of tie a couple of things that you said, that you said that it's still not safe for Black women to bring their whole selves to work. Yeah. I said earlier that, like, that. I was told like, you bring your whole self to work from an LGBT perspective. Um, and one thing that I wanted us to touch upon is um, representation and visibility, is that we now have Kamala Harris in, in the White House as well. And that means a lot to girls, to, to women, but to little girls everywhere, or to kids without a, with a gender non-binary expression. Uh, to of of South Asian descent, of African American descent, of African descent, all of this really does matter from a young age. But when you say it's still not safe, question, I felt it was safe to bring my whole self to work because I saw leaders in my organization that were uh, gay as hell and who were a little bit like they were flamboyant, they were fine, they were accepted, they were a little feminine, they were themselves and they were accepted, they were respected, they were given their seat at the table. And if anybody disagreed with them or challenged them, it was on the merits of what they said, not on uh, the fact that they were wearing pink socks with a light blue tie. Like, you know, would that like, is that something that is going to make a difference for that next part of the population?
2: I think this is what's different with, what Kamala, what Kamala is doing, and this is the difference, and you'll see it. It's the reason why she, and it's not like her best friend, so this could all be wrong, but why she came out to marry Jay Blige, she didn't come out to Beyonce. She didn't come out to like some other group that means like people naturally would have known. It's a very specific song, very, very specific reason because she wasn't selling herself out. All the people that she went to school with, all the people that supported her, all the people in her sorority and people that went to Howard all will hold her accountable. All of those Brown folks in LA will hold her accountable of a don't forget where you came from mentality. It's why she can wear Tims and not feel anything about it. When she's walking from her plane, she didn't have her little Prada dress and suit on. And so she's gonna have to do it, but it's just not fun. The person that I've seen that's brought her full complete self to work who used to be the diversity and inclusion person for Target, who I loved. And then she left and she went to Essence, which is great. But at the same time, you're like, well, that doesn't count. So you have to go back out there with the white people and show them what black people are like so that they'll like us. And now you're with all the black people. And now they accept you, of course. It's a different it's a different thing. Even when you see women in those spaces, they're not being 100% themselves there's just there's just a lot of code switching and that's the only way you can survive right now i think that'll change the more she's herself in her job as vice president but we all are going to have to deal with the repercussions of all black women adults mm-hmm. are going to have to deal with that
0: whatever happens you know it'll fall back on all of us black
1: women okay women. So i have it, two so comments
0: okay. hold on so i have two comments number one Caroline Wenga is who you're referring to from yes. who is now the CEO of Essence, FYI, yes. which is so exciting. And she's going to clean up some things there's that are going on there. Do. There's some yes. work to be there's done there's there. Do. And she is amazing. And I adore her. That yes. is my first point. My second point is, Sal, I would, I would push back on you just slightly that yes, a gay man is a lot less scary Mm-hmm. In some ways, and you are white presenting, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you are in darker light right now, but you are light skinned
1: <laughs> yes. and,
0: and you've been outside on the road doing the things. But I, I say that just because I think having a, those identities and that code switching that has to occur, I think there is a, you do what you need to do to get by, but I do think there is just, I hope that this is something that young women can look up to and go, yes, I can do that now. I hope that there is a shift. And I think people like Minda Hart's writing the memo and other folks that are doing this work are talking about this and are being very um, upfront with, this is not okay. We want to be ourselves at work and we should be able to. And those stereotypes that have been typical, you know, and that's what, women of color have lived under for years. It's the angry
2: black women. So we're going in as an angry black woman. So when you talk about it, then you're, it's confirmation bias that you're still an angry black woman. So that's why it's so hard to be able to push those things. That's what people think with before they know you. Mm-hmm. So they'll, so if you say, I'm not having a good day and they'll be like, oh yeah, well, she's angry. Cause you know, she's black. <laughs> that's
0: what, well, people, but, that's and, but what you people saw say. Yeah. Come and out. you saw, yeah. You saw it in the debates where Kamala even while she was saying, I'm speaking, it was with a smile on her face and everything's fine, but here's the deal. And, and so had she had a face like we have seen from Hillary Clinton, which very much got a lot of pushback and feedback, that would not have gone over well. And the fact that she, and as simple as that might be to say, okay, she had a smile on her face, so it's okay, that's the type of stuff that is looked at by folks that don't know or are coming into a situation which is just so wackadoo on so many levels but But I think it'll change reality I
2: think she's she does she brings enough where you as a black woman can still identify with her as a black woman like you'd still it's enough Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and she I don't think that she I've never seen who I would think even though I know probably deep down it's, there's a little bit of code switching, you know, but she's mm-hmm. always been authentic and she will bring herself. And I'm not kidding about her. Just, just the fact that she wore Chuck Taylors,
0: you know? I do wonder <laughs> if the thing. sale of Chuck Taylors went up when she showed up with those on, because I, I would guess that they did. I thought it was nice I good wearing a t-shirt
1: yeah. of like, like a creative one where it was a bunch of, of aviators and those shoes mm-hmm. as code for Joe and Kamala and, and Mamala Kamala. Yeah. yeah, that like that was her her signature, and that's so cool.
0: I just remembered something. Um, both of you have a shirt that's the same. <laughs> And I I know this to be true. The you Kamala shirt. The same shirt. Yes, you and sell have the same shirt. The Kamala shirt, the one that's like in, like cursive, left? like it's black with white lettering. Oh, I don't yeah. have that shirt. I have the Joe shirt. <gasps> no, I thought I saw you with the Kamala shirt on the other day on social media. No,
2: but I, when it gets here, I'll put it on though.
0: Okay, and when it <laughs> does, I would like pictures of the two of you, and we'll put them on social media together, and it will be perfect. Um, Sal, I totally cut you off earlier. I am no, so no. sorry. What, what, is there, what else would you like to share?
1: So on, 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 on that note, there was one day when um, the day that Jessica Alba was in Arizona, we had an event for her at uh, Burton Bar Library, and uh, it was great. That day I had on a t-shirt um, that uh, was special design of, of, of Kamala. I was like four or five years old, and it said in, in, in this cool font, the first but not the last. And then a couple of the people also showed up with that T-shirt. It was like a popular one during the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. And then turns out that Jessica Alba was there with like uh, her her best friend. Her best friend is an incredible creative. Name is escaping me right now. She designed that shirt for her and for the campaign.
0: Oh wow! So, or,
1: she immediately was like, "My friend designed that shirt." We're like, "What?" Yeah, that that's that's me. And she was wearing it. A couple of people were wearing it. It's like. Okay, social distance, super selfie and mass and everything. But like, it was just, it was a really cute moment of, of, of like, when you just, oh, like there was just so much love in this campaign.
0: Well, and it's real. To- it was real too. It was a real moment of, oh, hey, look, I did that. That's so awesome. I love that.
2: It's a very interesting, fun fact. I, I, I don't know why I didn't bring it up earlier in the um, people who are deaf or hard of hearing, you know, when you are a president, you, they come up with a sign, a sign for you. And for people who liked Trump, it was one. And for people who didn't, then this was the sign for President Trump, like his hair to pay him. So they decided, and I don't know who they are, that this would be the sign for Biden because of his aviator glasses. But people in the black community, because this is also very close to the sign of the Crips. It just, it's not fully this, but it's close. And then so there's like this whole debate on if they should use that sign for President Biden. Fascinating, I'll let you know how it goes. But that's the thing that was going on because they were like, we should pick another sign to represent Joe. So if you had a sign, I know you don't know sign language, but if you had to pick a sign, for joe biden for the other people listening you're going to have to go on youtube to see what this is what would it be if there was something else besides putting on what would
0: i'm do? sorry i'm kind of okay with he, him being part of the crips right <laughs> like no i'm just kidding <laughs> um kind of though top. couldn't it be like that so, couldn't so, it be like a, um, no, sorry i that was totally to, kidding that's <laughs>
1: um the american school that i went to in Mexico actually we opened up to um hard of hearing students so we had translators in class and we actually started to they they, and they taught us um Mexican sign language it's not the same as American sign language it's really dumb considering we're like San Diego Tijuana on the border. so you ask somebody who is hard of hearing for your signature um they gave me because um the letter s for my first name Sal because I used to slick my hair back. Yeah. Before the Trumps did it, okay, before. Um, but.
0: And your hair, hair is real.
1: I mean, for Joe, okay, if it's not this, Yeah. I would probably do something uh, with the J, but like to create a smile. So a J is this. Yeah. Create a smile.
2: I like it. I like that.
1: Drawing it, because I mean, he also has like one of the best smiles that orthodontists have ever made.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. yes he does i would want to combine it with his laugh i love his laugh if you put like the j some yeah. combine it with his laugh somehow i also like it i like it but i think everybody is tie because he always has a really nice tie. but uh, all right so i'm so glad to have met you <laughs>
0: salvador our final question for you and Jack and I do this at the end of all of our episodes. So we're going to we're gonna make our guests do it as well. So you're our first uh, guinea pig. What is one thing that you would want folks who are listening to take away from this episode?
1: You have more power than you think you do. You, um, it's straight up like we are so critical of ourselves. And we always think that people are judging us and, and they're not. But like you would be surprised how many people really respect your opinion and they value your opinion. Not only... What you say but how you show and how you feel and that your energy your conviction and your enthusiasm is infectious spread that don't swear anything else please wear a mask
0: <laughs> and please wear a mask <laughs> Spread all of the joy, none of the virus. Thank you. I love that. that. (laughs) No, that's great. And we actually have an episode that we'll be airing soon about influencers and how, even if you don't think you are an influencer, you are, like, because people are always listening. And so, I mean, that ties in very nicely. Um, Can you angle your computer down? I know for folks listening, you're not going to see these beautiful girls, but. These two beautiful great Danes have on their collars, um, dogs for Biden collars on. So, you know, they are also on board with the Biden train. So it's a good thing. Um, Yes, exactly. Sal, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for being our first guest. Uh, You were amazing. And um, Jackie, want to sign us off
2: i'm black jackie (laughs) no
0: (laughs) yes that was so good okay in a a previous episode we were talking about being just white and just black and i'm like no so she thinks it's funny because i was like i'm just white so that's not how i'm signing off i'm not i'm not okay okay not doing it thanks for joining us on the inclusive af podcast this is jackie and this is Katie. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye, guys. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called